Hey everyone, it's Erica and Christian Raphael, and we'd like to welcome you to our backpack, the podcast where we give you the tools to support your personal and professional journey. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of our backpack. Thanks, Christian. Always here to serve. So we're super excited that you all are joining us for another week of our backpack. Mm-hmm. Um, we think this week's episode is going to be a good one. It's you're on the Titanic. How do you stay afloat? <laughs> these were really some good titles. Not to toot our own horns, but we're really excited about these. <laughs> yeah. And as someone who can watch Titanic for three hours, this is literally a great title in relation to the workplace. <laughs> really good film. It's so Christian. Mm-hmm. If your job was a rom-com, what would it be? Legally Blonde. Love the movie. Mm-hmm. And I can speak to you in another space about how that movie is changed my life. And it made me realize how people navigate certain spaces with their identities. But for my job and looking at the department, I would choose Legally Blonde because I think with the current place that I work for we strive to be something different like Elle Woods right Elle Woods wanted to go to law school to get the love of her love of her life at that time back Warner and for me I think what my current job feels like (laughs) is that we are chasing a man that we know we're not destined for and while Elle Woods recognizes that that man is not for her i don't know if we've recognized that the path we are taking that man is the right man for us so that would be my rom-com legally blonde highly recommend mine would be um he's just not that into you (laughs) for similar reasons that christian mentioned about legally blonde it's like you're trying to stay in a situation that is just not for you. It does not fit. And you keep trying to force yourself to be somewhere that you just shouldn't be in. Like, you're not mm-hmm. catching the hints. You're just not getting it. Like, this is just not the place for you. And that's how I would describe mine, too. Yeah. And I think what's funny is rom-coms or even movies that we can connect to personally and professionally and how much they speak to who we are as people. And so... And you know, I think that those usually end in happy ways, but I think this podcast is our happy ending. Yes, always, always. Yeah. Ha- at least it, with this podcast, what I I think my happy ending is ensuring that we are giving advice and tools so people don't make the same mistakes we have may have. Yeah. Or that we are empowering people to take a path that that's their own. Yeah. Yeah. So that's our rom-com, our backpack. <laughs> Uh, for today's episode we we broke it down to four different buckets for y'all so we're gonna talk about what is causing you to sink so there are several reasons probably why in your current department or current job that you feel like you're staying afloat and we want to understand what's pulling you down what's causing you to feel like you have to stay afloat and then we're going to talk about what do you do when your unit organization department is in disarray. Mm-hmm. Recognizing there are certain things you can control and certain things you can't control. So what can you do in a place that's dysfunctional? Yeah. Then we'll talk about, okay, 
We recognize our unit organization department is in disarray. How do we stay afloat? And giving some best practices and tips to ensure that you are not sinking and that you are holding on to things, people that can help you with occurrence. And lastly, it's one recognizing it's time to get to the next ship. Yeah. And so I'll kick it off. And this section may sound a little philosophical, but I think it's important to understand what's causing you to sink because oftentimes we can just say, oh, it's just the department when it's sometimes not the department could be our job. Yeah. It could be us recognizing that personally our lives are not matching up with what we need professionally. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that helped me realize that in my in one of my previous roles I was living on campus as an assistant director was that the on-call life and the live on life was not matching up with where I was going personally. At all. At all. It was 180, 360. I'm bad at math, but it was a complete opposite direction. And I, when living on campus, there was this this feeling, and I know where this rooted from. Um, it rooted from my earlier years when I was a community director living on. But when I felt like I was on call and it was for a week, I felt like I only could focus on the job. And so what happened was I recognized that the job that I was currently in was not the job for me. Yeah. When I was on call, I realized I needed to get out of that community director position when I got mad that people needed help and I was the person that was supposed to help them. It was like, <laughs> it's like if your job is to help people and you're mad that people are calling you for help, you need to reevaluate that position. <laughs> But I also knew why I was tired of that, too. It's like I was tired of being that person that people came to when they needed help, especially as I was realizing that I needed more help and more support. And I wanted to be able to focus on myself. And mm-hmm. I felt like my job was an extension of that. Yeah. So when, when we're thinking about what's causing you to what's causing you to sink, I really do see it in those three different buckets. Is it your job? Is it your department? Or is it you as a person? And sometimes I think it's a blend of two, right? So I think the examples that you and I gave, maybe not wanting to help people after hours and and, or being on call, the job itself was not aligning with what we wanted to do, right? Personally and professionally. I think sometimes it could be the department. Yeah. Where philosophically, ethically, your department in itself does not align with who you are as a professional or a person. And so it may feel like everything you're doing for that unit or department is going against you and you're going against the tide. Yeah, and it's like your values are just different. And while you could have walked into the department agreeing with those values and philosophies and ideologies that were driving it, at this point in your life, you're like, nah, this is not me. I've changed. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's it's funny that you bring up interviews or like when you first enter a job because when we do interviews at different organizations or departments or institutions, we're seeing them at their best, hopefully at their best. I mean, there I've heard stories where people forgot candidates. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, but when we are meeting with institutions and organizations and companies, we're expected to see them at their best. And sometimes when we see them in those, maybe it's a day or multiple days of interactions where we see a glossy silver lining. Yeah. And we sometimes forget 
we have to ask those tough questions so we know that we're entering a space that is best suited for us. And when we don't answer ask those tough questions or if they don't let us know the reality of things, that's when there might be friction and we're going against the waves. Yeah. And then so we just talked so we talked about the job, we talked about the department. I think the the last thing is understanding you, like you as a person and yourself in this field and our job and department. So the intersectionality of all this. So I can be in a job that I'm content with, but am I growing and learning? Right. Am I bored? Do I feel like I'm being micromanaged? Am I not being challenged? Am I not being challenged mentally, physically, or et cetera? Yeah. And so, or you come to realize that you're you're in a place of, um, I guess the word that comes to my mind is, I don't want to say the word content, but you're complacent, that's the word, like complacent. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I guess I can do something about this, but I won't. And sometimes when we we work 40-hour jobs, when we feel complacent in the workplace um, and with ourselves, we sometimes not, don't feel motivated and feel like we're sinking, right? Right. So I think when we're thinking about what's causing someone to sink or what's causing you to stay afloat, take a moment to reflect, is it the department? Mm-hmm. Is it their ethos, their philosophy, their approach? Is it the job itself, so your current role? Are, are you finding it challenging? Are you finding it not challenging? Is there something that you think that you could be doing differently? Or is it something with you? Yeah. And so you do all this reflection and you realize, my department is in a bad spot. <laughs> what do you do? Well, the first thing I'll tell you to do is what anyone would tell you to do. Don't panic. Because when you panic, you can sometimes make rash decisions because you're not thinking clearly. So the first thing you want to do is focus on what you can control and let go of what you can't. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it may be hard to see, but there is always something that you can control. I remember when my department was going through big changes, I remember the only thing I really could control what was going on in my buildings that I supervised and the students that I supervised. And so I realized everything hadn't gone to, you know, hell. (laughs) There were still some things that I could work on and still contribute positively to my department and my team. Um, After that, you want to start networking and you want to build your connections in other departments and also reach out to those other departments. Um, Find people that you can lean on for support at this time. You're not the only person that has gone through some troubling times in your department. And fortunately, you won't be the last. And so there are people out there that can help you navigate this space. And you also just want to start networking with people because you want to see what else is out there. Like if Mm -hmm. you were ever thinking about doing something different, like this Mm -hmm. might be the time to start looking at it. Um, At this point, you also want to focus on gaining skills that will make you marketable Mm -hmm. if you do choose to lose a ship. And so take inventory of yourself as a professional. What do you know? What do you need to know? And ask yourself how you can end up getting those skills um, at this point in time that'll help you move forward. Yeah, I, I really like what you just said there, Erica, about one, networking, building connections, but then also gaining skills to make you marketable. Mm-hmm. Not every department focuses on professional development. And one key thing about professional development, sometimes it's personal development that you as a person take on the responsibility to do all these actions to make yourself more marketable. And so your department may not say, hey, we're going to do a resume workshop 
for your next career opportunity. I don't know many departments that do that. Yeah. You that's an action you need to take, right? An action if you want to update your LinkedIn or even start one that you need to take. And so just make sure you're keeping in mind with the two things Erica just said about marketability and networking. Most departments encourage you to do that, but it is a definitely a personal thing that you need to start with. Yeah. And then also ask questions of your leadership team like sometimes when people are in positions higher than us we feel like we cannot approach them or ask questions or tell them that our concerns but that's what the leadership team is there for Mm -hmm. they're there to move in servant leadership towards the people that they're leaving well leading and so they should be making themselves available to answer any questions that you have especially if your department is in a situation where things are seeming a bit unstable yeah and don't let don't let the idea of like the lead team or um, the people above me be language that you use to dismiss what you should be doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there have been several times that Eric and I realized that we had to tell things to our leadership team that they may have missed. Yeah. And we never made the excuse to be, oh, they're lead team, they should recognize, or we shouldn't tell them because they're the best in this field. We said no as a individuals we should be informing the lead team about x y and z and feel empowered to do that and also in our department a little bit they're a little bit more relaxed um mm-hmm. our department is kind of relaxed <laughs> and kind of is us putting it nicely and so it could have been like there was an easier way to approach these people because it wasn't as like um i guess you could say top down Mm, in terms of like leadership there were points in times where I was like I wish it was like that because I was tired of going to group think meetings and that's not what I wanted to experience (laughs) the (laughs) three hour group meetings or the half an hour group tank meetings yeah yeah (laughs) well what it think tanks think tanks I don't want to work at those. I think I've had my fair share of experiences, and that's just not for me. Group think, group tanks, think tanks. Y'all can keep it. Yep. And then not showing how we're applying any of this <laughs> to the next week, month, or year. We're getting away from ourselves. But yes. once again. <laughs> we use, you know, we're talking about saying a flow. This is our sense of well-being. <laughs> uh, which is a great segue to you know, how, how do you stay afloat if your department is in disarray and you are unsure what to do next what are some of the steps to consider right what are the actionable steps Mm -hmm. and the first action step is focus on what is real Mm -hmm. do not spend and i know the word real may mean different things to different people right so if someone did an action you can only see the action but maybe there were several factors that caused them to do an action but focus on what is in that time and in that space with your department, unit, or organization. If you spend hours, days, months thinking about all the what ifs, you're spending mental energy that you could be putting into other things. Right. And so recognize what is real. What are the things that you can control or change? And what are the things you can't? The second thing is, for me, I while a department or unit, even in the people in it, are dysfunctional, I like to be functional to the best of my ability. And so finding motivation in my role. Yeah. That, if you can find motivation in your current role, that can help demystify a few things, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, what I love doing is setting up goals. 
If I know that my role plays a, is a huge foundation and or catalyst to help my department move forward, what are some things that I want to benchmark to ensure I'm reaching my goals? So using community director as a good example, if I know I'm supposed to have interactions with students, how many students do I plan on talking to in a semester mm-hmm. or in a month? And what do I want those communication that communication to look like? So creating goals for yourself to understand, to see your progress, but also to hold yourself accountable to help push you when things may be uncloudy around you. Yeah, it gives you something to strive for. Mm-hmm. And it also looks good on your resume, right? That's something you can pitch. <laughs> like, you know, during like during this COVID time, there's so many um, organizations having to go through this virtual experience and mm-hmm. talk about virtual programming and virtual knock and talks. For me, I see this as a great opportunity to leverage goals to say, you know, during a time of crisis or uncertainty, this is how I held myself accountable, but I held my department accountable. I think the other thing just to keep in mind when it comes to your motivation to your role is understanding how many people it impacts. Mm -hmm. If your role really doesn't impact anyone, if you're in disarray and you're trying to stay afloat, you're probably not going to feel motivated to do anything in that space besides maybe leave or um, find a different solution. Mm -hmm. But when you recognize that your role impacts several people or several hundred people, that's when you can say, damn, I have to do something different. Yeah. And so keeping um, keeping motivation as a key catalyst f- for when you're staying afloat. Next, as people leave, and trust me, people will, <laughs> even when they say, I'm not looking, and that you should stay, and that things will get better, they will leave. It has happened to me twice. <laughs> Create work boundaries on how much extra work you'll be taking on. And this is something that I think we all face in higher education student affairs. It's like, oh, someone's leaving, so I'm going to be the interim, etc. And don't expect anything in return. And let me just challenge you to say, if you are doing extra labor, if you are taking additional time to execute things in different areas, when you your job description didn't have that, filed, you should be negotiating pay, you should be asking for additional time off or other forms of compensation like extra vacation days. Yeah. Do not let the idea of someone leaving and then you assuming responsibilities and additional work be the norm. Right. There are people out there that are working two different people's jobs. I remember Christian and I were doing that. <laughs> we were working two people's jobs. Mm-mm. No compensation. No pay. What were we pay- compensated with? Maybe a day off? Don't want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> it can feel very disrespectful, and it'll cause resentment to build within you towards your environment and the people that you work with. And so that's something you definitely want to be mindful of. Like, yes, I'm willing to take on extra work if you are, but what does that mean in terms of you um, rewarding me as an employee and showing me that the ways in which I'm stretching myself and challenging myself and busting my behind to show up for this department, Mm -hmm. how are you letting me know that that work is going noticed and it's appreciated? Yes, yes, and again, if it's not on your job description, I encourage anyone to revisit that with their supervisor or their interim supervisor to say, hey, I'm doing extra work or extra labor and I'm not scared of all other duties as assigned mm-hmm. as a line to dictate if I should get extra pay or extra time off. And 
Um, just make sure you're finding, if, if you truly are doing additional work and labor that someone should have been done doing if they left a role, just make sure you're speaking with HR and your supervisor. Yeah. There's a difference between, there's a difference between being a team player and a doormat. Oh, and I'm no one's doormat. I, <laughs> 2020, no one's doormat. <laughs> Erica spoke about this a little bit, but one way that can help you stay afloat is speaking to individuals and mentors. Yeah. And the best for me, what I really valued have been mentors outside of my department and unit. Because sometimes you're, when, if you have like a mentor, and this isn't a bad thing, if you have a mentor or supervisor in your department or unit, they might be too attached to what is going on. And so having someone that's a little bit removed can help. Um, bounce off ideas, give you other solutions, different perspectives. And lastly is, and this may sound like a cliche, but make sure you're taking care of yourself and, and thinking about your well-being. And that means taking rest, taking breaks, and giving yourself a break from all the work that you may be doing. Yeah. No one's going to tell you, hey, take a break. You may have a supervisor or a colleague that says, hey, have you thought about taking a day off? But you are responsible for taking your day off. No one's going to put that time away on your calendar. So just make sure that when you're thinking about staying afloat, are there ways for you to disengage? Yeah. And so now you've looked at your work situation. You've evaluated Mm -hmm. that it's not the best for you. And you've also evaluated that it's time to move on. And so... Time for the next ship. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm here. (laughs) Right. So consider where you are, what you learned, the good and the bad. Um, And just keep that in a notebook where you document all the skills you did, all the things you participated in, um, everything that you learned from your job. Mm -hmm. Ask yourself, what did I like about this work environment? And what am I hoping to see different in the one that I'm going to, right? That'll help you ask yourself the right questions when job searching, but also when you're going on other interviews, that'll help you ask the right questions of your employers. Cause you'll be, you'll know to ask about company or environment change, how often things change, when do you expect things to be in flux? Um, how do you all like manage big changes in the department, whether that be top down if the leader leaves. And even when you're thinking about joining a new ship, that can be hard because um, jobs can feel like families, especially if you've been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was your first job. Maybe you had a lot of friends in the department. Maybe it was just um, an unhealthy work environment and they and the people in the job made it seem like leaving was not a form of loyalty. But you have to remember that you are a professional first. And then you are a friend or a family in the context of the work environment next. Um, Becoming attached to experiences and people is normal, Mm -hmm. but we also have to remain open to change and to the and to the like the the theory of just like impermanence. Mm -hmm. Right. Nothing in life lasts forever. And that's not a bad thing Mm -hmm. because things shouldn't always last forever because Mm -hmm. we grow, we change things ebb and they flow. And it's important for us to find and reflect on the good things, um, learn from the bad things, and apply that to new situations. Yes, and I think what I've what I've heard from the best supervisors I've ever have I've ever had has been when I'm ready to go to my next ship that they're rooting for me. Yeah, I've never had a supervisor, to my knowledge, tell me to my face that they wish I didn't jump ship and hope I fail. Yeah. 
the all your i hope that with everyone listening that you have a supervisor that's rooting for you because a good supervisor is someone who wants the best for you as a professional as an employee and as erica said nothing should last forever now if you choose to stay in your apartment forever like more props to you like best yeah. best of life um but if you're someone who's looking to change roles and or to leave your ship i hope that your supervisor is rooting for you and supports you on your next ship yeah that's really important remember if your um, department or your environment is unhealthy like don't lose yourself for a company or environment that will exist without you if Mm -hmm. it's been dysfunctional and it's remained dysfunctional if you come back 20 years from now it still might be dysfunctional (laughs) because dysfunctional is a framework (laughs) it is (laughs) the five dysfunctions of a team is very real now i can't (laughs) tell you what they are but i do know that they exist it's a book (laughs) it's a good book yes (laughs) (laughs) and so think about it um that way that your supervisors are preparing you for your next journey. You don't belong to your job or your supervisors. You walk through that experience so you can continue your walk and your purpose. Mm-hmm. And so that brings us to our next point. Like, will your next ship um, provide purpose in your life or will it be transitional? Like, is your job environment so unhealthy that you just need to jump ship and your next landing place is going to provide you with an opportunity to think clearly about where you'd like to go and where you want to be? Or are you trying to make sure that when you step into your new job that you are choosing something that's going to align with your purpose? And when you do that, it might take you a little bit longer to find your next position. So that means you would be in your role a little bit longer than you anticipated. And so definitely using those tips to stay afloat that Christian shared would be very important. Yeah, and I think with everything that's been happening with society, COVID, police brutality, um, one quote that's like stayed with me for a while, um, Chadwick, aka Black Panther, said, when you are deciding your next steps, next job, next career, further education... You should rather find purpose than a job and or a career. Purpose crosses disciplines. Purpose is an essential element of you. Yeah. And and I think about that because whether we're finding a job that's transitional and or helping pay the bills, or we do find that job that gives us fulfillment, you should always be working towards purpose. Yeah. And it's like, let's say your purpose is like helping students recognize um, their ability. Right. There are so many jobs that you can do that in. And so you don't have to feel confined to one space because you can live out that purpose in many different ways. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to narrow down the why (laughs) behind (laughs) your actions and your behaviors and why you're choosing to pursue different things. Absolutely. And so to wrap up, what was today's episode? We talked about four different buckets when it comes to you on the Titanic, how to stay afloat. The first bucket we talked about is asking yourself what's causing you to sink. Mm -hmm. Is it your department? Is it a departmental change, new structure, its ethos, philosophy? Or is it the job, your current role, and the work that you're doing is not aligning with the work you want to do? Or is it you as an individual? that you've grown out of this role or you're seeking something different. Next, we talked about recognizing maybe it is your department. What do you do if your department is in disarray? And the first thing is not to panic. Focus on what you can control and what you can't control. B 
begin by networking and building connections with other departments and other individuals because those networks can not only lead to future opportunities, but could lead, can lead to people you can lean on. Focus on the skills you want to gain and that will make you marketable. And if you have questions, you can always ask leadership. There's a reason why they're leadership and that the lead team. So if you feel empowered to do so, we encourage you to ask them those questions, ask them the things that you need clarity on to help you navigate this disarray. Next, we talked about how to stay afloat. We said it before and we'll say it again, focus on what is real. Find what motivates you in your role. And as people leave, and they will, don't fixate or hold on to people. When extra work is being put on your table, consider negotiating, understanding how to distribute the work or get more compensation. Find individuals that can mentor you either in or outside the department to talk to while staying afloat. But most importantly, engage in self-care. May that be taking breaks or finding ways to engage in well-being, whatever that means to you. Lastly, we talked about recognizing when you are ready to leave that ship. So it's the, the department, it's not you, and you're ready to leave. Consider what you've learned. Not just the bad, but also the good. And start understanding that while jobs, the job environment may feel like families, and family, supervisors, and coworkers should all empower you to go to your next opportunity when you're ready. Right. Lastly, it's understanding for you, if you're ready to jump to that next ship, is it for purpose or is it transitional? Well... That wraps up today's episode of our backpack. Thank you all for listening in and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Peace.